0: Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis chapter 28, Genesis chapter 28. As we look at verses 10 through 22, as we continue our study of the patriarchs and as we look at Jacob and this place that becomes so special and significant to him, a place he will call Bethel. You know, all of us have places that are special and significant to us. Every one of us in this room, we have certain places that bring back memories. They somehow communicate something to us. I remember some time ago, I was back up in North Mississippi and my family was there with me. And I convinced them, after a lot of conversation, I convinced them to join me in a nature walk. We had gone out and we had walked down into... Uh, The fields and the bottoms that kind of were connected to the back of my parents' property, connected to our land. And as we walked, you know, I I could remember things, things that had taken place. Now, as I'm growing older in life, I'm getting a lot more nostalgic. I'm beginning to think about things of when I was younger. And I was walking around there in those bottoms and those fields. And as I had my kids with me, I would point out certain places. And I would say, now, right over there is where your papa and I. Uh, well, this is where we were when this covey of quail came up. And then we talked about this, and we talked about that. And I showed them this significant place and that significant place. And somehow it was communicating to me. Now, it didn't always communicate to them. I think Hayes at that time, probably two or three years younger than he is now, Hayes was like, What in the world does this have to do with us? Isn't it about time that we go back to the house? But they walked with me down memory lane, if you will, for some time. And there was, there was such significance in that place as I had walked with my dad during uh, quail hunts or as I had gone down in the fields with him for other tasks. It just was very memorable. It's amazing what sight and sound and smell, those senses can bring back to us about cert- in certain places, certain memories. There are special, significant places. And all of us in this place, we have those kinds of memories and we have those kinds of places that we can go back to. Well, for Jacob, Bethel becomes that significant, special place. Yes, he'll have other places that he'll go to, but Bethel is one of those... That he'll always gravitate back toward I want you to see why it's so special to him I want you to hear what happens there at this place that he names Bethel in Genesis 28 beginning verse 10. It says Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night Because the Sun had set. and he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed. And behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east to the north and the south, and in you and your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! There is none other than the... This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning, took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. This significant, special place that comes to be called Bethel. Bethel was a place where Jacob could encounter the awesome, reassuring presence Of God now understand the narrative here Jacob has been called in this great deception he has deceived his dad he has stolen the blessing from his brother he has uh, allowed his mother to scheme and to lead him down this road of deception and because of that he has faced the consequences because of that he is having to leave the home that he had always known He's having to leave his mom. He's having to leave his dad. He's having to leave his brother. He is leaving, in a sense, with all kinds of questions in his mind and in his heart. His dad sends him away so that he can find a wife. His mother sends him away to save his life. Esau, his brother, is ready to kill him at any moment. And yet now Jacob is on this journey going to Iran. And it says in the midst of this journey, as he has all these questions, as all of these things are floating through his mind, it says that he comes to this place and as the sun is setting, he realizes it's time for rest. And maybe he, uh, maybe he grappled with that that night. He, he had to work through it and decide that he had to lay down and rest. And yet in the midst of that, God demonstrated his awesome, reassuring presence notice what it says it says that he he took a stone and he used it in a sense as a pillow perhaps as security and preparation those days i'm reminded they didn't have the tempurpedic or the luxuries that we do today right and he lays down and he begins to sleep and right after he begins to sleep he begins to dream now understand all of us dream from time to time right I mean, sometimes we can have all kinds of dreams and trying to interpret those dreams can be rather frightening depending on what we had to eat or depending on our life at the time. We have all kinds of dreams and yet this dream was more than just a simple dream. This dream was a revelation from God. You can tell the way Jacob responds that this dream is a message from God. And it is an an awesome experience that he has. Notice what this dream consists of again. It says, as he dreamed, behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it. So get this picture, this dream. There is this ladder or staircase as some people interpret it. And there are angels going up and down. And at the top of that ladder is God. And it demonstrates the awesomeness of who God is, the awesomeness of his presence in Jacob's life. Now again, Jacob had had all these questions and he was concerned and he was fleeing from possible death itself. And God demonstrates himself in this awesome way. Later on, later on, Jacob will respond in verse uh, 16, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He'll say in verse 17, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. In other words, it is as though God has opened heaven itself to Jacob. I think it is significant, especially in the context of Genesis itself. In Genesis 11, you'll remember... That the people come together and they have refused to obey God and spread out. They have rather uh, decided to just cling together. And what they do is they begin to build this tower. Remember? They're going to build this tower that we call the Tower of Babel. They're going to build it in order to reach heaven or the heavens. And they're going to do it in order to make a name for themselves. That's the picture in Genesis chapter 11. They're trying to get to heaven somehow. And now in Genesis 28, what God does is he actually opens heaven. If you will, he extends an invitation to Jacob to experience the awesomeness, to experience the presence of God. It's a wonderful picture. And you see how Jacob responds to that. You see how Jacob recognizes that God is has opened heaven itself to him. What an experience. What an experience in an unlikely place to see God in this awesome way. And notice the posture of God. It says that God is standing above the ladder. That position, that position of royalty, of authority, he stands above the now, that experience reminds me of those other moments in Scripture. For example, Isaiah chapter 6. Remember when the prophet who is mourning the death of a king, the king Uzziah, when he looks up and he sees God on the throne, high and lifted up, it communicates God's sovereignty and God's rule. It communicates God's awesomeness. It communicates God's authority. And here, Jacob is reminded about that. He he stands in awe of this tremendous God that he serves. You ever had those moments where you experienced that awesomeness? A certain place, a certain service, a certain moment, where there was something about it. Where God in his presence, God in his authority just totally consumed you. Now understand, I do believe that God's presence is with us even this morning. Would you agree with me? God's presence is here. Why do I believe that? Because the New Testament teaches where two or three are gathered, there he is also. So I say to you upon the scripture and upon the promise that's given to us, God's here with us this morning we believe that but we also know that there are those special moments where God manifests his presence in such a strong and powerful way that there is no doubt that he was with us it's one of those moments where you can almost see him high and lifted up standing above the ladder it's one of those moments where you respond just as Jacob did remember his response again Surely the Lord is in this place. Remember, it says that he was afraid, which is a common response to seeing the God that is above all gods. A sense of fear, a sense of holiness and reverence and respect and awe. Jacob recognizes that he was in the presence of God. Some of us, again, have been there in those special manifestations. Maybe it was a Sunday morning service for you. Maybe it was a revival service. Maybe it was just a moment at your house as you read and the presence of God just consumed you. Somehow, God demonstrates his presence, his awesomeness to us, especially when we're in times of need. Listen, when we're going through some of the most difficult moments of our lives, it is reassuring It is reaffirming to know that we have a God who's high and lifted up. To see him still on the throne, right? To know that in the midst of our struggles, there's a God who is still working on our behalf. And when he gives us that realization, when he works in our lives, it makes such a difference. And here he is demonstrating himself in such an awesome way to Jacob. That was an unlikely place. It was an unlikely moment. Here's Jacob. He's coming along and he stops. Why? Because he thinks that he's going to have an experience with God. No, because it's getting dark. He's just going to lay down. He's going to rest. And here he is struggling and wrestling with who he is and his identity. He's, he's just going to rest. He's not thinking God's going to do something at this moment. And yet, God, in his own way, works in Jacob's life that night to reassure him, to show him that awesomeness. Isn't it amazing how you you may not even thought this was going to be the day when God demonstrated his, his presence in such a way? I mean, how many of us thought this was going to be the day when God just manifest himself? And yet God showed up, maybe according to us in an unexpected manner, And manifest his presence. God high and lifted up. I I say again, when we come to our worship services, there's always a balance. There's always a balance in seeing him in that imminent way that is, that he's close, because God is close, right? He is our friend. He is the God who walks with us and talks with us. To see him in that manner, but also to see him high and lifted up. I think there are moments in our church's lives, and I think it's slipping away from so many of us to see him high and lifted up. That he is so different from us, that he is such a God who stands above the ladder and upon the throne, that it calls us to that same response of awe, of respect of falling before him. Well, this is an awesome, reassuring presence that God demonstrates at Bethel. Jacob's going to look at this place and he's going to rename it from Luz to Bethel. Remember? What does Bethel mean? Bethel in the Hebrew means house of God. You may have known that. You see so many Bethel Baptist churches these days, right? Or Bethel churches. Thinking about maybe a trip to North Mississippi, if I go up to North Mississippi and I come back, I can tell you I'll see about seventy Bethel Baptist churches. I would ask myself sometimes, why in the world would why in the world would there be so many Bethel Baptist churches? Are there so many communities named Bethel between here and there? It's because Bethel means house of God. So here, Jacob has experienced this awesomeness of God and he has understood it to be the very presence of God. And that presence has brought this reaffirming, reassuring work in Jacob's life. Listen to what God says, verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land in which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Can you hear the language of the promise in that passage? Can you hear the language of God's reassuring and God's reaffirming in that passage? Remember what God had said to Abraham. He had said, I'd be with you. And I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And this is my promise to you. If you go and this is what's going to happen, then I'm going to take care of you. That's what he had said to Abraham. It's what he had said to Isaac. Basically, he had reaffirmed the covenant to Isaac. And now in this moment, there at Bethel, God is going to reaffirm his covenant to Jacob. Now, why is this such a big deal? It's such a big deal because just like Abraham and Isaac, Jacob didn't deserve to inherit the promise. He didn't deserve it. I mean, were you here last Sunday? Did you hear what he did to his father? Did you hear how he had so connived and schemed against his own family? And there he is. I said to you, he had all kinds of questions. He's walking away. He doesn't know if he'll ever get to go back home. He doesn't know how things will ever play out. He's thinking of himself, must have been thinking to himself, I I surely... I surely lived up to my name, the heel, the deceiver. Wondering if he could ever do anything for God. Wondering if he could ever make a difference for the kingdom. Wondering if he'll ever reunite with his family. And listen to what God does. God speaks to him there at that place and he says, I want you to know that I'm still with you. I want you to know that I was the God of Abraham and I was the God of Isaac And I will be your God Listen To how reassuring that is In the life of Jacob Now Understand Jacob will still have Consequences in his life Many of us can Experience forgiveness but we know there's still Consequences of what we have done right Next Sunday I'm going to Preach a sermon called what goes Around comes around You're thinking of people you want to Invite already don't you There are going to be consequences in his life. But listen to God. God said, I know who you are, and yet I still love you, Jacob. And my plan is bigger than one person. My work, it's bigger than just one failure. And I'm still going to be with you, and I'm still going to work through you, and I'm still going to bless you. See, he had experienced the awesomeness of God. And he also experiences the reassuring of God, the reaffirmation of God. He experiences here in this place. How many times, how many times have we had to experience such presence as well? When we failed, when we thought, why would God want to use us? When we've messed up in our lives and we thought to ourselves, there's no way... That we'll ever be right with our family, much less be right with God. And yet, in a certain place, in a certain time, in a certain moment, through God's word, through his work, he reminded us that he was not through with us. That he was not finished. You see, Bethel was a place where Jacob could encounter the awesome, reassuring presence of God. But Bethel also was the place where Jacob could commit his life to God. He encountered the presence and then he committed his life to God. Notice it says in verse 18. Then Jacob rose early in the morning, took the stone that he had put at his head, set it as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And He called the name of that place Bethel. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God be with me, will be with me. Now, some Hebrew grammarians would say this is not a statement of condition, but it's a statement of affirmation and could read something like this. Since God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. Listen to his commitment to God here at this place. He said, if this is what you're saying you will do for me, if this is how you're going to work in my life, and if you still love me and you still are about the promise, God, you're going to be my God. Now, I don't want to get too technical and say this was Jacob's salvation experience. We don't know exactly what had occurred in Jacob's life before, but let me say to you here, here at this moment is a defining commitment that Jacob makes to God A defining commitment at Bethel Where he says if that's what you say Or if, since that's what you're going to do Then you are my God Now listen That personal pronoun my Makes all the difference in the world doesn't it That you will be my God You see This God, Yahweh, he has demonstrated himself to be the God of Abraham already. He has demonstrated himself to be the God of Isaac already. No one would even debate that. But now what Jacob says is that you are my God. Now he's not just trying to live through his grandfather and his father's faith. He is making this faith personal for his life. He says you are my God that little personal pronoun makes all the difference Think about the way we use it I've used the example before of like children and grandchildren, right? Let's say I were to Take maybe some of our children in in our congregation and bring them up and say I want you to see the children that we have here in this church and I want you to know that I would love each child and I, I, I respect each child and and so would you right we would look at them and we'd probably say, ooh, ah. You never say that when I come to the pulpit, by the way. (laughs) But you'd say that with children. And hopefully there would be excitement and joy in my life when I would introduce you to the children or your children. But you know what? When I talk about my children, Or maybe when you talk about, when you're using that terminology, my grandchildren. Doesn't it make all the difference? It's a personal connection that's there. I guarantee you. Some of you, I can even see the smile come across your face when you say my. This is the personal connection with God that Jacob has. Jacob says, you're my God. And Bethel is that place of commitment. Do you remember that place in your life where you personally committed yourself to God? For the first time, it wasn't about what your dad had said or what your mom had said or your granddad or your grandmom. You had heard of their faith and you knew they had a God and you respected their beliefs and you respected what they had demonstrated in their lives. But do you remember when it became real for you? And it became personal for you. See, I could take you back to a little church named Birmingham Ridge Baptist Church there in North Mississippi. I could take you to the pastor's office. Same pastor's there, it's been there for 40 so years. I guarantee you his office looks just the same as it did back then. Books stacked everywhere, a few pictures on the walls. And I could take you and show you the exact place and remember where I stopped and I made him my God. What a place. What a moment. And you've had those personal commitments. It might not just have been your salvation moment. It might have been another place where God so moved, as I said a moment ago, that awesomeness of God was just washed over you and overwhelmed you. And you stopped and you personally committed. Maybe it was personally committing your family to God. Or maybe it was personally committing your work to God. But you remember that moment. Where instead of it being just that out there kind of concept. All of a sudden it took upon a real application to your life. And you were able to say this is my God. Jacob said if this is the case it's not just about my granddaddy, and it's not just about my daddy anymore. It's about me. It's about my faith in him. And notice he committed his possessions. He committed his worship. Verse 22, he says, And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house, and all that you give me I will surely give a tenth to you. The idea of I'm going to give back to you. I want you to be in charge of my possessions and my life. I want you to be in charge of my worship. He takes what some have called the pillow, the stone, and he turns it into a pillar, a memorial stone. He sets it aside, pours the oil over it, not just as a shrine, not, not something, not an object to be worshipped, but an object to remind him of this moment where he has committed his life to God. And he says, I will worship. This is Jacob's Bethel. You know, what's amazing is that he'll come back to this place. Genesis 35 for example Genesis 35 he'll return to Bethel it'll be a difficult moment in his family once again his daughter will have been violated by the Canaanites his sons would have taken revenge upon the Canaanites for their actions he's fearful of the Canaanite response and whether or not he will even lose his life and what does he do well God speaks to him and says Go back to Bethel. Go back to Bethel. And he goes back to Bethel and he says, family, we've got to go back to Bethel. That's the place where I cried out to God in my day of distress is the language that's used. That day when I was distressed and I did not know what was going to happen to me, it was in that place that I called out to God, we've got to go back to Bethel. And he goes back to Bethel. And as he's at Bethel in Genesis 35 Deborah, which is his wife's nurse, the last connection that he had with, or his mother's nurse, the last connection that he had with his mother, she dies. But he's at Bethel. Experiencing all of these difficult moments, all of these difficult times, he's at Bethel. A reminder of God's awesome, reassuring presence. A reminder that this is where he committed himself to God. Listen to me. Friends, after we've committed ourselves to God and we've accepted him and we've gone through life, there'll come all kinds of difficult moments. Listen, there'll come all kinds of difficult moments. And for us, we need to be able to have a Bethel we can go back to. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about just a physical location. I'm talking about a spiritual location. Well, we have committed ourselves to God and we have seeing that awesome, reassuring presence. Because, my friends, the only way we can make it through those difficulties and the only way that we can face what this world brings at us is through those Bethel moments, through those moments where he has worked in us and demonstrated his presence. It is from our commitment that we have given I say to you this morning as we come to this place that we all need a Bethel. Did you hear me? We all need a Bethel. We all need a place that we can go back to and say this is the place. This is the place where we know that God showed himself. This is a place where we experience God as we had never experienced him before in life. It was this place or we committed our lives to God and it became personal and real and authentic for us one of the reasons so many of us perhaps have such struggles is because we can't go back to a Bethel Bethel is so important in our lives the confidence that we know That God has worked and the confidence to know that we have responded. That carries us. That makes us able to face what life brings. I say to you this morning, I ask you this question. Do you have a Bethel? Do you? If you do, I hope that you will join with me as I've reflected this week. And you would praise God for those Bethel moments. I hope that you'll do it. And I hope you'll draw strength. But if you've never had a Bethel moment in your life. If you've never come and made your faith real. And you trusted and you believed. Friend this is the day to do it. Bethel could be right here. As you come and accept Christ. And trust him with all of your heart. Some of you you're, you're saved. But maybe this is the moment, a Bethel moment, where you come to truly commit your family to God. Truly commit your work to God. Or truly commit your finances to God. You're trying to hold those things back. But today, God becomes personal to you in every area of life. Would you hear his call to you? And would you respond? And would you nail down your Bethel before God? Let's pray. Father. We come to you, we thank you, we bless your name. We praise you. God, so many of us in this place, Lord, we've experienced that presence, that commitment. God, you've been better to us than we should have ever deserved in life. God, I pray right now that you would reaffirm and reassure your people. And Lord, even now, spiritually, take us back to our Bethel moments. God, for the one that has never made it personal in their lives, they've never trusted, they've never committed such a way, God, I pray that you would just work in their lives this morning to convict them and to give them the courage they need to come forward. And to trust you as their Lord and Savior. God, work in this place. May we see you high and lifted up even during this moment of invitation. And may you draw all men and women to you during this time. In Jesus' name, amen.